Hi, it's Devon, the editor. And if you're hearing me at the start of this, that means that something has gone wrong with the audio. I'm going to give you three seconds to guess whose audio has gone wrong. No, it's actually Phoebe's. Um, so I've taken some time to fix this one up. You're going to hear this and go, that sounds pretty bad. What you're not hearing is how bad it sounded before I did all of this cleanup. So if you complain now, it's just sort of disrespectful to all the hard work I've put in. All right, now we've got that clear. Here's the episode. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. You can follow me at hkisvani on twitter.com. My name is Phoebe. You can follow me on twitter.com at prhroy. Uh, and this is a free episode of 10,000 Posts. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. It's going to be a really fun one. But if you like are already like, I want more bonus content, those intros were great. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 10K Post Podcast. Five bucks a month, you get lots of really cool, interesting episodes, interviews, uh, film and TV reviews. Uh, it helps us make the show and helps us uh, do this thing that we love, which is talking about posts and why they're all really good. Um, and uh, on that note, we've got a really good guest on uh, someone who's like, when the book, when his book was announced, uh, I was really, really excited about it. And definitely one of those, like, maybe we should kind of get him on 10K and the day has come. We are joined by Quinn Myers, uh, formerly of Mel Magazine and the author of Google Glass, volume three of Remember the Internet series from Instar Books. Quinn, how's it going? Hey guys, good. It's going going pretty good. We're on on, uh, on my end. Uh, excited to talk about some posts. Let's get into the yeah. posts. <laughs> Let's get into the posts. Yeah, you're like the guest who's just like, I don't want to be introed or like, uh, yeah. you know, valorized. I want to get into the dang post, and I appreciate that very, very much. <laughs> I do. We do have a post. Uh, well, I guess it's more of an Elon update. Um, I don't remember. I think we've we've been speaking about Elon a lot because obviously this whole like, you know, will he, won't he, with the whole buying Twitter thing. Um, Recently, he's been kind of posting about Ukraine. Uh, and this tweet, I think, was posted. Yeah, it was posted on the 24th of October. So yesterday, uh, at the time of recording, I'm going to read it out. Um, and uh, Quinn would love your sort of instant thoughts on uh, Elon's beautiful, beautiful brain. Um, so Elon Musk starts by saying, while it's true that Kasparov is almost as good at playing chess as my iPhone, he is otherwise an idiot. Um a someone who responds to him saying Spidey underscore Elon fan um says, Do you still play chess? Dot at Elon Musk. Elon responds to Spidey Elon fan saying, I did as a child, but I found it to be too simple to be useful in real life. A mere eight by eight grid, no fog of war, no technology tree, no random map of spawn position, only two players, both sides, exact same pieces, etc. Polytopia addresses these limitations. Um yeah, uh, Quinn. Quinn, what, what are you? What are you thinking? Uh, do you number one? I guess the question is: Do you know what polytopia is? No. And uh, is it better than chess? I well, yeah. I was going to say for I don't know what polytopia is. It doesn't surprise me that he's feeling some. I'm assuming crypto, like Web three game. Um, but it just it's just so funny. Like the the like as a child, it just makes because like it makes me mm. think of him as this like little lord Fauntleroy, like in his daddy's like mining gemstone <laughs> fortress being like this game is boring there's no fog of war like i don't know why where, I is, did the, where is the fog of war mother <laughs> <laughs> daddy 
Phoebe, do you have any idea what Polytopia is? Um, or should I have to stop? Do you want to guess what Polytopia is? No, I actually do know what it is, but only in a oh. very, very vague way. It's a, it's a it's an online it's an online game. I think you you play as like one of a number of tribes. I think. Um, okay. So I think it's like somewhere. I think it's like somewhere between like strategy and kind of multiplayer RPG. I think. I think. Okay. I was I gonna, I was gonna w- yeah. say, please feel free to correct me on this point, but Jesus Christ, do not correct me on this point because I don't care. I do have the Wikipedia. <laughs> I do have like the wiki thing of it, and you're basically right. When I first heard the term polytopia, obviously I did think it was something else, and that would have made the tweet like much funnier if <laughs> polytopia was what I expected. Um, but no, you're broadly right. Like it, it, I mean, it used to be called Super Tribes. Uh, it is kind of just like a stand like a multiplayer online like a role-playing game uh where you can do a lot of things i guess because it is an online game and i just i don't know i just kind of think of what's very funny about it is just like in i don't know like that kind of there's a whole thing about like certain guys who try to sort of pretend that they're much smarter than they actually are because they played chess or like know how to play chess very well like Uh at a fairly decent level or whatever and so chess and even just, you know, all those memes about like, you know, he's playing 4D chess or he's playing like 18 dimensional chess or whatever, like, you know, the premium of chess in like these kind of pseudo intellectual battles has kind of always been there. And Elon Musk just comes and blows that all up and being like, no, if you have dedicated your whole life to playing chess, then you're a fucking idiot because chess is boring as shit. And there's so many better video games that you can play. And why aren't you doing that instead? And I kind of think that that's sort of beautiful because like, I sort of agree with him in some ways about that. So inside it was the most Reddit, most Reddit thing he could have possibly said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it that's is, the other yeah. thing too. It's like an extremely sort of like Reddit brain guy to be like, well, you know, yeah, you may have been like a world chess champion, but like you could never replicate. You, you, you're not intelligent enough to like know how to play Quake Free or League of Legends. Mm. Well, this is how this is how Musk. He's always losing me, and then he does something like this, and it just pulls me. It just pulls me back in. I wish I knew. I wish I knew how to quit him. Uh, the 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 point about the the point about this post is it's very it's expressive of a fundamental uh, core tenet of Musk's character, like far, like far and away beyond. He's just he's just a kind of overgrown like weirdo reddit baby uh like far and away about like having an opinion on board games when you're in your 50s um and then being like oh you should play video games instead because then you have the fog of war like you don't have the fog of war in a video game fucking pull yourself together but it's what it what it is 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 this incredible it's incredible self-belief bordering on bordering on like really like magical historical level megalomania this must have been what it was what like what it was like dealing with like dealing with like one of like the kind of the later julio claudians like just genuinely just genuinely an incredible brain at work because Mm. it's like it's 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 sort of cultural it's cultural and social cliche at this point that to be a chess grandmaster is to be the cleverest that is possible for a person to be like that's mm. like that's that's so known it's sort of be- like it's sort of barely worth repeating like this is like this is the game of geniuses but no he's got a video game which is for like ultra geniuses and it's his and it's the same instinct and the same tendency uh that 
call <laughs> that called the the Thai cave rescuer a pedo. That's it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. Yes. It's the same little chip that he's got in his brain that makes him say things that nobody else on earth would possibly imagine saying. And like we like people people like to people like to criticize his uh his response to the Thai rescue case, you know, with his I'm gonna invent a submarine which is gonna be ready in like a day, uh, you know, with you know, with that stuff and then with the pedo thing. But really has anyone ever come up with a better response to anything? Like like imagine you have an mm. imagine you have an editor who um, is like asking you where your copy is supposed to be because it's due. Like where is it? If you just respond to them, you're a pedo. What are they going to do? Phoebe, speaking as your editor, please do not call me a pedophile. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely there's, nothing. Oh, there's, yeah, there's there's a really good example of this. I can't remember, but it is actually like a rhetorical. Okay, no, actually, you know what it was? It was like so. Unfortunately, I used to do uh, university debating, com- competitive debating. Uh, I, it explains a lot of where I am right now and <laughs> what I do with my life. Um, yes, I do used to do competitive, competitive debating. I wasn't like a very good debater, but one of the strategies that I used quite a lot, because again, I didn't really know very much and I didn't know how to like bullshit my way through it, was there's... I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I don't know if it's called like a screwdriver move or something like that. It's like it has this very sort of weird thing where the whole idea is that if you're in a debate where you have no idea what to talk about and you've forgotten your points or something, you should say like the most ridiculous thing that you can imagine, um, but in the shortest period number of words, because apparently that was more impactful, which would mean that your opponents would have to sort of engage with that. And it basically is like a derailing technique. Mm. Um, and like, if you were very good, you would get some points for it. I got like some points for it once, but most of the time, like you would just sort of blow out, but you could kind of do something like funny with it. Um, and it sort of feels like Elon is doing that, but like not in such an intentional way. Like he's so instinctively good at like just saying these things that are so batshit insane. Uh, but you're sort of forced to engage with primarily like because of his outsized influence. Um, and this, yeah, and you're right. Like in the same way that pedo guys is like one of the most perfect things that is ever like, or some kind of pedo guy is one of like the one of the best lines written on Twitter, I think, in its existence. Um, and Elon should get Twitter primarily just because of because of that line. Um, this is another example of like just the I don't know, just like the fact that sometimes even the m- most predictable way can sort of surprise you. Mm. And that's I, beautiful. Yes, like I, I mean, here we are, like talking about him still, right? Like we if, spend a lot of time on the show talking about him. Yeah, what would what, what we be talking about if if some, this guy said, "Do you still play chess, Elon Musk?" And then he just said, "No." <laughs> like <laughs> simple, it would no, it would have been great. Well, no, would have sufficed, but yeah, yeah about like how he did play, but it's boring. It's such it's such a good answer as well. Like yeah, like when I was like a literal baby it's like you are <laughs> uh, you are a literal baby that's that's just uh, what he that's just what he is he's yeah. just a, a i think the reddit just yeah. a kind of creepy crumbling baby the reddit stuff i think is really on point primarily like because as you mentioned quinn like he could have just said no i don't really play chess or like i used to but like you know i prefer playing video games and everything the way <laughs> that he sort of composes it is one where it's just like no i 
don't play chess, I may have never played or like, I don't do it anymore, but I do it out of choice and you have to hear the reason why. So he's kind of anticipating that people are not only asking, why don't you play chess, but like are kind of getting mad at him about it or like sort of saying, oh, it's because you weren't ever good. So he kind of immediately goes in on the defense, but then his sort of defensive play is one of like, yeah, but I don't play chess because actually people who play chess like Gary Kasparov are actually fucking idiots. Whereas if I play League of Legends or Polytopia or like whatever, um, actually I'm really, really smart. I don't know. It is, it is like a perfect Reddit response. And like, I coming to think of it, I've read so many responses on Reddit that kind of follow that type of framework where they can't just answer the question, but they sort of have to answer it in this combative way because they're anticipating that like people are just gonna like make fun of them i have a suggestion put down your polytopia and look after one of your like 11 kids <laughs> like what the fuck man in a real polytopia all his 11 kids would be looked after <laughs> yeah that's true that's true why don't you like stop playing polytopia and build a build a polytopia yeah ever exactly. thought about that no <laughs> i feel like he's not thought about that Elon, I know you're a fan. Uh, maybe something to think about. Maybe something to consider. <laughs> no, we don't want him. Though we don't want him to build a polytopia. Like, don't don't build because like that's probably your fucking idea. He'd probably be really into as well. Don't build a polytopia. You know, you know what? You know what would happen what if doing. he tried to build a polytopia? If he tried to like build like a sex island or something, he'd like open the doors on the first day and be like, "Why is everyone here a 25 year old man? Like, yes. where are the where are the women? Like, I I, I ordered." I ordered women and everyone's been like, yeah, no, we've got something. We've sorry. We were trying to think of a way of telling you uh, no women like you. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm there'll afraid. There'll be plenty I'm, of uh, fog of war in there. There'll, be a, lot of, there'll be a lot of fog of war. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we have been shielding you from this information, but your, your fan, but your fan base is, uh, is demographically exact. I'm afraid. Yeah. So that was our Elon update. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to revisiting another Elon post at some point, Always. like probably probably closer than we would have liked. <laughs> um, I uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, let's talk about some. Actually, you know what? Before I segue, because I did sort of think about this pre kind of coming on the show, um, I want to tell a story about this morning and me almost throwing my laptop across the room because um, Google refused to accept that I was a human being. Um, so I assume both of you are very familiar with like what captures are, um, for people who don't know or who like, who so, or who for whatever reason have never had to do, um, um, or the Google ones are like, you know, you'll get this sort of grid of maybe eight pictures uh, or like a picture that is split into eight parts and like, it'll tell you select the traffic lights or, um, select like the road walkings and stuff. But my, the worst ones are the ones that are like wholly American and like you have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. Um, crosswalks is a good example. Um, in America, because buses don't look like buses, it'll tell you to identify the buses and then it will say, yeah, this truck was actually a bus and this uh, bus was actually uh, a Land Rover. Um, but there was one today where, or there was like a set today where like it, had select the traffic lights, select the crosswalk, select the pelicans, um, select the stairs in these really blur. So there were like eight captures that I had to do to sort of just be able to do like a very, very basic Google search. Um, and in all, in like the seven of them before I was finally able to kind of like select a bicycle and get through, 
um they would it was just like refusing to sort of accept um anyway yeah i feel like the captures have are like making me go insane. I don't know whether it's COVID or whether it's just genuinely making me go insane, but it did make me sort of wonder how the hell did Google get to this point where, um, you know, it is now like just very worried about its uh, users, but at the same time, desperately mining them to uh, presumably build military software. <laughs> and I think this is like a good way is, is a good way to sort of feed into another Google product, which uh, has been very useful for building military software. Um, it was called Google Glass. And I was thinking about it very recently, mainly because I was like, wait, what happened to that period of time in like the early 2010s when people were talking about wearables and glasses and like how glasses would be cool again? You know, and I was very, I was very much looking forward to that. Never happened. Um, and Quinn, you wrote a book uh, that came out earlier this year about Google Glass. Uh, and I was just wondering, uh, before we kind of get into more specific questions, uh, what drew you to this subject? And like, yeah, like how was the process of like actually digging up this old, you know, this relic that I imagine a lot of people have kind of forgotten? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, and what I get a lot, because people are like, well, why did like, why, why Google Glass was such a random thing that kind of came and went and, and who cares? And like, what, what was the uh, impact it had on wider society? Really, really selling my book right now. But uh, I, 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 at Mel and just kind of a, as like a tech internet culture writer, I would focus on like internet communities a lot and just kind of how they formed online and how they interacted with the real world. Um, and Google Glass was like the nexus of the internet spilling into the real world, like a very mm. early point in, in the time when people wanted to stream everything they were doing online and like go, to, like just like the the melding of the online and offline world, um, you know, cyberspace and the meat space. Um, I use, I, I kind of talk a lot about, and it was it was sort of like, I think, especially these days, as I saw like Meta coming out with VR and and more and more augmented reality. Google's you know doing their glass thing again soon. Mm. Um, tech companies are kind of like more and more starting to like encroach in the real world. Like it's no, you can't really put your phone away and step away from the internet as much as you could before, just because of how much your phone is tracking your location or tracking what you look at or tracking what you do. Mm. Um, and Google Glass, it just seemed like it was like a real turning point in, in that sort of process of how much do we let tech or, you know, the internet kind of encroach into our, you know, day-to-day, -day, like off, you know, quote unquote offline mm. lives. Um, mm. So then I, so then I, um, I kind of dug into it. I remember when it came out, I was working at a startup in a windowless basement, um, like a media startup, <laughs> just <laughs> fighting the Facebook machine. And this video came out that made Glass look like it was going to be insane. They had like people walking out of the subway and it would be like, turn left to see your girlfriend at the bookstore. <laughs> uh, and that wasn't the voice. But, uh, it, like, I was just like, God, this is crazy. And and I, I remember going to Twitter and every, Twitter was, you know, all flutter about it. And mm. um, everyone was so excited about it. And then I just remember not really hearing about it again. But then it was like on the Daily Show and everybody was making fun of it. Um, so I started to dig more into it and just saw that the story of Google Glass just had so many twists and turns and just so like genuinely so many parallels to mm -hmm. like how VR is getting rolled out today. Like literally Zuckerberg will like echo things that 
Sergey Brin was saying at the time he was giving TED Talks about glass. Um, and the same with crypto too. Like there's just so many parallels. And uh, for a lot of, at a lot of points, it's the same people shilling like crypto and shilling VR and, and AR that were that were investing heavily into Google Glass, like um, Mark Andresine, um, you know, all those venture capitalist guys who who just kind of like push one thing onto onto people and then it fails and they just kind of move on to the next one because they have uh, you know mm. untold amounts of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, can you give us like a kind of like a like a short potted history of like who's who thought of google glass like where's it come from like what kind of like what kind of like mm. what kind of context is that like is like coming out of yeah so so um augmented reality has always been kind of like a a technocrats like dream like to to be able to sort of have be connected to the internet and have it sort of overlaid over their visual field um, you know it's in science fiction all the time it's always been in science fiction movies as like a thing that is just there in in the future so it's always been something they've kind of sought after um google had the idea to do this mostly because they just they were just a search engine for the longest time they're just a search engine they made billions of dollars mm-hmm. doing it which is great uh but they wanted to you know apple was coming out apple just came out with the iphone and the ipod um they had no the mobile internet was kind of more and more becoming kind of a ubiquitous thing that more people were using and they had no hardware. So um, they had, and they just uh, purchased Motorola Mm -hmm. or acquired Motorola. Um, So they, so they really wanted to get the hardware. So they're like, Mm -hmm. how do we do this? They met with, um, you know, Sebastian Thrun, who was like a really uh, innovator. He was working. I think he was um, working on like, driverless cars they just met with all these people all these like kind of stray weirdo not weirdos <laughs> i guess i should say geniuses there's very smart people who were like um working on augmented reality or had been you know dedicated their lives to wearing um or working on augmented reality um there were a few guys who wore very like rough ver- like basically just had kind of computers hooked to their <laughs> To yeah. their like belt and then just had like these glasses on that would like <laughs> type and like record every conversation in a very weird way but they were like they were like pioneers basically so they they kind of basically brought in this dream team of people um because they decided like we can't just come out with a phone because the phone everyone's doing the phone we're not going to like be able to wedge our way into the iphone um wearables were becoming a thing people mm-hmm. thought like the next step from a phone is a wearable. People are going to like either it's either going to be a watch or um, heads up display. They decided to go heads up display. They briefly thought about like uh, there's like some meeting dinner with with um, Sergey Brin and and like the founders of Google and a few of these uh, augmented reality guys, and they they briefly thought of like doing brain implants, which our our boy Elon is a big fan of. Um, contacts maybe but then they basically decided on on doing a heads-up display like kind of glasses augmented reality glasses um started doing started making it or a you know kind of a top secret of lab in their in their mountain view laboratory they started with nothing um and so they made a lot of like technical strides like broke a lot of ground technically on like making these glasses um 
but the more they honed it down, um, you know, it kind of became like a, like a, a it was a wearable. It was decent, but like mm-hmm. the first versions would kind of get hot on your head. The battery life wasn't great. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. They had a camera that would record, but it wouldn't tell people when it, re- when it recorded initially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of eventually they, they honed it down into like something that was, you know, wearable without like basically just being a helmet or something that's like super heavy on your head. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they rolled it out and as like a beta version, technically a beta version, but they they kind of um, sold it as something more than beta version. They sold it as a like final product. Uh, so people were very excited about this because this, you know, for all intents and purposes, it seemed like the next logical step from mm-hmm. a cell phone is having like augmented reality that can, you know, your text messages will pop up in like the upper right hand corner of your visual field you can you can uh see directions there's a lot of like a lot of fun little things that would be like oh that would be cool like that would be nice mm-hmm. um, yeah. but they didn't really think through like all the ways it kind of interrupted your social and just kind of unspoken human uh behavior especially in a group setting or a public setting um so they they yeah. uh eventually kind of rolled it out more <laughs> and more and, and uh as more people kind of re- realize how not unfinished it was despite being expensive and also also like all the privacy issues um that we can get into it just sort of the public slowly but surely turned on it and uh and then it just got buried yeah it's interesting that you that you um that you hit on the point of uh they weren't thinking through like how much it would like kind of impinge on not just your life, but on your kind, how it would like interrupt like your kind of normal social behavior. Um, and I'm wondering if you think that it would have had a different rollout experience if it had been released later when lots and lots of people are very used to social media disrupting their social experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I mean, today, I think especially even in the last year with like TikTok, I think more people are used to people recording each other in public spaces. Uh Um, I definitely think back then and even to a certain extent now, if someone, if you're just like taking the train to work and someone whips out their phone and is just like recording you, like everyone kind of stiffens up and acts a little differently. Like you're not going to act like your normal self if you know you're potentially being recorded. Um, I, you know, there's a few examples like snapchat's glasses that come out and they're you know by and large pretty pretty successful um except it's just a very very limited use case like google was trying to be a swiss army knife they, mm. they were trying to say like you will wear this every day all day for the rest of your <laughs> goddamn life yeah. and snapchat's snapchat's mm. glasses are like yeah it has a camera but it only hooks up to snapchat it only records for yeah. like three seconds and you and this is for like fun party concerts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, why it's been a little more socially acceptable. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, you know, I, it's hard to say whether it would be successful, more successful today. Um, but I guess we'll probably see in the next five years if it will. Speak, speaking of which, I was wondering about the historical context because I kind of, I vaguely remember when kind of Glass was coming out and how there was like all the hype sort of built around it. And it's also like the early 2010s. So I think there's still like this optimism about the potential of the internet and like very early days of kind of social media 
being ubiquitous and kind of like dominating most of the internet, right? Like this is long before we sort of see these companies as potential threats to privacy, security, uh, and like much more. And I wonder whether like Google is sort of looking at these companies and kind of maybe being slightly being kind of worried that like we're sort of being taken, you know, we can't really be a social media company. And I know that they had experiments trying that out and that didn't really work out. Um, and then they, as you mentioned, they're looking at Apple that are like rolling out hardware. So there's this pressure on Google um, to not just be like a very good search engine, which it was at that point, uh, but also kind of like try to, the, the race to sort of like define what the internet was going to be and what it would look like for the rest of the, like the rest of the 2010. So I wonder whether like what your thoughts were on Google Glass sort of being, I mean, you mentioned in the book that like, yeah, it was very clearly overambitious in a lot of ways, but I wonder whether there was a pressure being placed onto Google to kind of like make this product to be definitive of like a decade rather than, as you mentioned with Snapchat being like, oh, this is just a fun feature to like, add to our app. And if it doesn't work out, then like, you know, we can sort of burn the losses. And I mean, I guess with Google, they can burn the losses as well. But like, I imagine that a company their size wanted to have a cultural impact that then they sort of overshot. Yeah, I mean, 100%. This is something they still do. Um, It was Google, you know, there was a whole recategorize, re-like organization of Google when they became Alphabet. Um, I, and I like in the book, I kind of connect this to Google's Google Glasses failure. But like at the time, they were just starting out there. Like you would probably know them. They call them like their other bets, which mm-hmm. is like the um, internet. They tried like uh, big giant Wi Fi blimps <laughs> to get to like corners of the internet or corners of the world that didn't have internet. Um, the autonomous car kind of fits under the other bets. Um, purview. Uh, and then they just, they've had like a bunch of these like big projects that they're like, we're going to solve society's ills because we have all this money and we're going to pour them into like R and D and, and we're going to like try it out because no one else will. Mm. Um, when in reality, they're all kind of vanity projects that to a certain extent kind of serve to like improve Google's bottom line. Like, you know, Google benefits from far reaches of the world having internet from mm. Google's like little internet blimps. Anyway, so they were definitely trying, and they still are desperately trying to become more than a search platform because, like, 90% of their revenue comes from search. Yeah. Um, I think, like, 9% of it now comes from cloud services um, where they're competing with, like, Amazon. But by and large, they, they had no other things. They were just so reliant on search. And if, and if for some reason, and ads, you know, ads that they serve from search, um, so they just, they needed to like diversify how they, how they make money. And glass was like their big one. Cause if it hit, suddenly they owned the hardware that every single person, you know, they would, it would be like what Apple did with iPhone. Suddenly mm-hmm. every, like more than, or like roughly half the world is using their hardware, um, mm-hmm. to, to connect to the internet and do everything. <laughs> and, and they would just like, it would be insane how much money that would be. This is a massive windfall, which is why all the companies are doing it now. But more importantly, I think they would diversify. They wouldn't be so reliant on the ad money that they make from search. I mean, I'm interested in the example of the Snapchat camera as well, because I I think maybe the, maybe the trick is to invent something which is at first glance just for one 
thing. So like 15, so 15 mm. years ago, you asked Zuckerberg what, what Facebook's for. Oh, it's for keeping up with old friends. Like, that's what it's for. That's what it's for. And of course, now what it's for is taking over a vast swaths of digital infrastructure and giving uh, unchecked, unregulated political power to the stakeholders. So that's a bit different. We can agree that that's a slightly different use case. And the same thing with Instagram, which is now just like an arm of an arm of Facebook, WhatsApp, similar. Um, Twitter, oh, it's just a microblogging site. It's definitely not going to be, and again, an unregulated, un- unlegaled, um, unchecked arm of the media, which then also has the uh, capacity to both set agenda and set policy, and also like um, creates these figures who uh, who pander to it on the safe assumption that most of the population don't know what it is they're pandering to because most of the population is not on Twitter. So maybe that's maybe that was the issue. So if they'd if they'd said with the with the glass, oh, it's just a, it's a virtual reality thing. It's a uh, you can pretend that you're standing on a really high building. That's cool. That's cool, right? That's a cool thing. It was the mistake was saying right. Okay, so this is now going to be strapped to your head forever, um, and this is like your feeding machine now. Like I think maybe that was maybe that was their maybe that was their error, um, and they just didn't, they they weren't interested enough in kind of mission creep. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, quite a bit, just like an additional thought. I wonder whether like we can say that now only because, well, number one on this show, we kind of like are very suspicious of all stuff that you see on the computer and rightfully so. But I think that like maybe back in, <clears throat> maybe back in like 2012, 13, 14, I can certainly like imagine. And there was also like that encouragement to be like, yeah, it's completely fine to kind of like sacrifice so much of your personal data to these platforms because like, they're ostensibly like the good guys, right? Like they have kind of, you know, they sort of present themselves as being progressive. Uh, you know, lots of them being championed by the Obama administration uh, at the time, but also like they are kind of, they could present themselves as like making your life like better and more enriched because, you know, there was so much new stuff kind of coming out. And I wonder whether like Google's play then was like less, to, you know, <clears throat> they weren't really even con- like kind of, uh, they weren't necessarily even that worried about, the fears, you know, kind of like making people kind of give up their, like so much of their personal data, so much so that they were very open and being like, yeah, you're going to give up like a lot of your personal information to us. But like, this is the way that people are going to like be on the internet now. So you better get on it. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. What they should have done is said, if you press a button in it, you can drop a bomb on a Pakistani wedding. Maybe that's yes. maybe that's how they should have chimed more with uh, the needs of the Obama administration. Well, uh, well, we'll get to that bit because it was kind of, it kind of happened. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, two two super great points. Um, the first was like the utility. Yes, like. Um, Sebastian Thrun, who's like basically the godfather of glass, it was his project the whole time. He like referred to it as his like child. Um, very smart guy, very earnest. Like he talked to me for the book a lot. Um, he said like if he would go back and change anything, he would market it solely as like a GoPro, just basically a camera that you put on your face and go um, mm-hmm. mountain climbing or like BMX riding, and that's it. And then you take it off because like trying to convince people like to wear this thing on a romantic date just feels very invasive. Like it, <laughs> it feeds the fears of like, it feeds the fears of like, Oh, this 
uh, guy is scanning my potentially scanning my face and like seeing everything about me without even like mm. having a conversation. It couldn't do that, but it could, and it eventually sort of did. Um, <laughs> so, so utility, like if they would have just hit one thing that it did better than than anything else and provided some modicum of utility. I think they would have probably been better off than just trying to say like, "Hey, it does everything all the time, and it's going to solve all the life's problems." Um, mm. And then as for the the like trusting Google, like at the time, this was something I didn't really think about going into the book, but I realized while reading it is uh, right when Glass was coming out and like reaching the peak of them trying to sell this to the masses, the Prism scandal broke, which was basically. Um, when everyone learned that the U.S. government was backdooring people's data, or Google and all, basically all those major platforms were kind of providing a backdoor to the government for for all their user data that they collected, people realized how much data like Google was collecting on them, basically like following literally everything they did on the internet, um, and that really freaked people out, like for a good reason. And that's when people started to think like, Oh, Google isn't this like huge, like their, their motto at the time was like, don't be evil. And everyone's like, Ooh, that's fun. Isn't that fun? A major company that's like, don't be evil. That's great. We love capitalism. And then they like, this came out and people were like, Oh, uh, this is kind of insane. They, they, like we've not put any like barriers on the personal data these companies collect on us for how much more we're using the internet. And now suddenly they want us to strap this like camera mm. to our face. <laughs> that's just like a data siphon that's just like taking in our lives and then just like mm. giving it to them. Uh, so that, that was kind of the tipping point of like the major, major privacy issues with, with mm. glass and kind of its downfall. Mm. There was also like one of the other bits you write about in the book is also the idea of like, glasses being luxury tech and when i was going through some of the old articles uh in like the run-up to it like other than the privacy stuff it was also just like oh you have to pay like google glass costs like something like one thousand five hundred dollars and like possibly more right and mm-hmm. i found that like really amusing actually and really interesting to look at because that kind of costs <clears throat> i think that's like around about the same price that you would now pay to for like uh, the latest iPhone or like one of the latest iPhones. The idea of like spending like an atrocious amount of money on tech, I think, has become like fairly normal in <clears throat> much of like our contemporary culture now. <clears throat> and I wondered like what your thoughts were on that particular backlash of the idea that like you know, um, and maybe it was because like for a period of time, you know, consumer tech was mostly sort of presented to be affordable, um, and so. Glass, especially the way that glass was being marketed, because I think you also mentioned that they were trying to get like supermodels to wear them and like, you know, quite fashionable. I think they sent one to like, you know, they said they sent them to like, you know, rappers and stuff like that. Um, and so this idea of like glass being like a luxury tech and therefore kind of like opening up that conversation about the place of tech in society and like the class divides and everything. I wondered whether you could talk about like that and where, like how that sort of impacted this, the success or failure of uh, the Google Glass. Yeah, I, uh, uh, another fun uh, person who, who wore glass was Prince Charles. Oh my, oh yeah, <gasps> no! I, I saw a picture of that, yeah. Like, King Charles. Excuse me, King Charles. King Charles, sorry. King Charles, do not, do not come <laughs> on our show and impugn the name of, uh, of our king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Show some respect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
gonna see if I can find. I'm gonna see if I can find a picture of this because this sounds great. It's very funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a picture that's like his, just his real close up on his eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, kind of frightening. Mm. Puts a pit in my stomach. Um, yeah, the, the the luxury thing was was a major thing, and it's it is an, it Sorry. is a good point that like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably... <laughs> this is so funny. Like it. I think that might have been part of the problem. It makes you look like an absolute goofball. Like, could yeah. they have made yeah. it look a little bit cooler? Like, even like even like those like Bluetooth headsets that you used to see people wearing around the place. Like, they looked like a little bit like okay, it, like they make you look a little bit like a uh, like Agent Smith, which is like maybe not like you're not on the you're not on the side of good, but like the the but like. Couldn't they have made it look like, look like I don't know, like a kind of Gibson pirate eye or something? This just looks stupid. Mm. The problem was that it wasn't a Google monocle. Yeah, that's what it should Ooh. have been. It should have been a monocle <laughs> with, a, with, yes. a, with a G around it. God, can you, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, no, you, that, that, like, that nails it on the head because they were selling it as like this luxury tech that models and you know the prince soon to be king of england wears and and it's fifteen hundred dollars and it's so cool but it also looks so dumb and it just looks so so apparent to everyone else who like can't or can't afford it largely Mm -hmm. can't couldn't afford it uh how dumb it looks Mm. and like right why you know and and also the other part of it was like yes an iphone costs that it was it was it was around, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't remember what an iPhone cost and like that, but it was, it was, you know, it put a dent in your pocket. Um, mm. But the iPhone also worked and people saw it work and they knew their friends had them and they could see them. They could see like the, you know, iBeer app pour liquid and how fucking cool that looked. <laughs> uh, but with, with glass, it, it was Google, like it was an admittedly beta product. Um, to in order to have the opportunity to pay fifteen hundred dollars for it, you had to like do a hashtag contest and get chosen by Glass. So the people who were chosen like won the won the raffle to to have the opportunity to pay fifteen hundred dollars for Glass, not just win it, which they probably could have done too. Um, were were a lot of like just like rich white guys um, in the tech industry or tech journalists. Um, and they're the ones who could fly it, pay for the ticket out to New York or LA or San Francisco to try them on, get them like mm-hmm. fitted and, and have like glass training, um, and then pay for the fifteen hundred dollars for this beta product that might not even work and, and didn't in a lot of ways. Yeah. And on top of paying fifteen hundred dollars for it and wearing around and like, you know, for a little while being seen as like cool, hey, what is that Google Glass? Wow, that's so cool. Can I try them on? They, these guys also had to like send constant feedback to Google, so they're basically kind of like working for Google. Ah, uh, they were doing free, capture, yeah, they were for, doing capture tests. Yeah, yeah, they, they had to yeah. be like they had to like talk to people at Google saying like, mm. "Oh yeah, today like glass melted down, or it hurts <laughs> my temples, or yeah. like I'm getting a lot of headaches, or you know." So they had to like give, constantly give like beta testing feedback for these glass on top of paying fifteen hundred dollars. Um, so, so it was just kind of a, a whirlwind of, of, uh, 
upset. That's interesting mm-hmm. as well that um, that the people who they try to kind of get on board as as a kind of I suppose sort of nascent kind of influencer marketing um, was uh, was that they had to do training for it and. Like just thinking about the comparison with, uh, say, something like the iPhone is when the iPhone came out. I remember the whole point of it was how intuitive it is to use, how you could be a complete mm-hmm. like kind of like 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 tech idiot, and but you'd still be able to use use this piece of piece of technology like you were kind of operating at a kind of relatively kind of high sort of high functioning level with it and mm. i also i also think a little bit as well i think there's like a sort of half sounding out this thought i think there's a little bit of gendered stuff at play here as well because i feel like particularly particularly iphones um are sort of thought of as like girl kit um because like whenever like a new kind of rollout like rollout happens um it's always it's the stuff that's like always kind of focused on is stuff about uh like like portrait mode and how you can like erase people from i know that's not the iphone but like but like these sorts of technologies which is like very much associated with the way that Women tend to use their, particularly their phones, tend to use their, tend to use their technology. Um, like obviously, like I'm not saying like, oh, the thing is, it's because Apple is like such a woman-friendly company because we had an entire episode about um, those like geotag things that yeah. can be used to like stalk women. Um, not just women, obviously, but like let's be let's let, let's not act brand new here. It is women who are who are having uh, Apple tags um, attached to them in public places. So like they, cl- it's not. I'm not saying that they like they're clearly like designing stuff with women in mind. It's more that historically, women and particularly young women are deemed to be a much more sellable to demographic they are a they are a spending demographic like like women between like 18 and 30 are like they're the ones who can get to to buy stuff like ideally stuff they don't need as well so like i'm wondering if they made an error with uh making it so kind of like yeah you can jump off a bridge and it's a gopro and oh yeah this is like a kind of bro this is like bro tech because you can't you can't persuade men to spend a, a a load of money on things in the way that you can persuade women to, and I and I do I do feel like a lot of phone, particularly phone developments, are very like they're very kind of like subtly targeted towards women. Like they they never say like okay, so this is the girl phone, but like it is <laughs> like it's there, like it's there in the it's there in the marketing. And again, it's like it's, it's different from it's different from Android, which is much more which I think is much more kind of neutral in the stuff that it kind of picks up on um, what this tech can do. So I wonder if that's part of it as well. Yeah, Phoebe, it's, it's like so funny you say that because there was a, when Sergey Brin was like giving his big TED talk about what Google Glass could do and, and how it could do it, there's this bit he did where he pulled, he pulled a phone out of his, he was like pulled a phone out of his pocket and it was like looking down and he's like, isn't this, Aren't smartphones emasculating? Isn't this an emasculating thing to do? <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's a fucking weirdo. That's I'm like, always saying uh, like, what, a, what a strange way of looking at it. Fellas, he, is it like gay to use I a mean, phone? I mean, he's, he's right. <laughs> yeah. He's right. It's, it is emasculating to use a phone. It's like, 
but that yeah. but that's fine. This is the future we want. If you have a phone in your pocket, then you can't pay attention to the fact that there's something else down there, right? You never know which mm-hmm. is which, and that can be a problem. Wouldn't be a problem if you had Google Glass, though. Uh, I imagine that's what he was probably <laughs> trying to say. That's presumably, <clears throat> presumably the line he was trying. <laughs> he was trying to yeah. push, but that's 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 very funny. Like it's very <laughs> funny to be like, "Look, you're a man. Don't you want this thing attached to your face <laughs> that mm. looks like that looks like a kind of yeah. that looks like something that you'd find in a Happy Meal? Do you not want that on your face because you're a man? That's very you know what is ma- what you know what is like you know uh, what what is very masculine uh, wearing glasses and not having twenty twenty vision. That's also something that I regularly tell people. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, you mentioned you. What you? Uh, one of the things that I didn't realize until I like read your book was also that um, glass still kind of exists. Um, and I sort of always talk about it in two ways, like because I know that we're, we're sort of like uh, we might be nearing like the end of the period. Um, and one way, like, to kind of think about glass's legacy is also in terms of like the aesthetic of like the tech bro and everything. So, like, glass kind of or like the sort of like end days of glass also you know, emerges at a time when like you have shows like Silicon Valley, which are like satirizing, uh, you know, satirizing the tech industry and also just being very popular among tech people. Um, but also just the idea of like the glass hole and like just like the kind of tech culture that built around California at that time. And I wondered whether you could talk to me about like, even though like glass is a product, like, or even though like Google may have like wanted glass sort of maybe be part of the whole tech bro uniform, uh, even in its passing, like what's like, what legacy has it sort of left in like tech communities, but also just like in places like Silicon Valley. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the legacy of it is that, I think especially in Silicon Valley is that they just, they, I think they just tell themselves that it was marketed wrong, which it was. Um, it It is alive today um, in, in manufacturing. Um, you know, to a certain extent, I, I talked to a few people who wear their, their enterprise version and they say like, yeah, it's, it's really helpful at the job because I don't have to like keep look, I don't have to keep like referring to this book and it, and I just like see little like, arrows that say like turn this and do this it's a little freaky because it kind of just automates human Mm. workers um but i think it you know it at least has like some proven utility that makes it use that makes it like more useful than the alternative um so that's where it's thriving and it's of course making like a ton of money in that in that regard um so i think that they they learned now to sort of hone in on a specific thing that it does better than than anything else when it comes to like even consumer rollouts um they just recently as of like a few weeks ago like very very quietly much quieter than their like bmx jumping from a blimp reveal (laughs) of google glass the first time made a post looking for like they're doing another public testing public beta test of google of another form of augmented reality they're not calling it glass Mm. which is very funny um so who knows what what they're gonna how they're gonna try to roll it out this time Mm. um as far as like the tech bro sort of thing this was this was like another it was sort of like a very interesting turning point um i was just talking to someone and i and i remembered that they this was a point where like 
it was kind of a boiling it was when silicon valley in san francisco was hitting a boiling point of like the rich people moving in and pushing out the people who would live there for just like outpricing the people who live there um and there was the the issue with um people who work at google would take would live in the city and then take buses out to campus and it's like well mm-hmm. this is stupid like you if you're paying if you're living here you should pay to improve the infrastructure um that will help everybody in the city. So that, so things like that were happening. And then all these like Silicon Valley rich assholes were just wearing this thing on their face that said, Hey, look, I paid $1,500 for this like useless piece of technology (laughs) because I love tech and I don't care about your privacy issues. Mm. Um, And that is when like things really started to turn uh, on, on Silicon Valley and just like these, just sort of like tech elite um, people who think they're above everyone else and, and like willing to spend money on tech, no matter how much it harms kind of like the public space or the social kind of unspoken social agreements between yeah. people. Um, and then, and then people started beating up people who wore glass and, or people who would wear glass and refuse to take them off. And then there'd be, there'd be these scuffles. Um, and suddenly there are people like writing op-eds in the Washington, Washington, uh, journal saying yeah or the washington street journal saying like uh like is this a progressive pr- crystal knot <laughs> oh or like god. is like are like are like um yeah. oh my god is this like are people hating rich tech people basically nazis coming at us yeah they, uh, so it like was just the like precursor to cans being canceled or being like glastricized that's the word I put on the now. Very good. Patting myself, oh, patting myself on the back right now. That was good. Uh, <laughs> oh. Wow, I didn't. Uh, man, this is the problem. Yeah, I should have been around. I should have been around like writing in 2014. I could have made like yeah, I could. I could have like made quite a good living. Uh, doing like tech bro uh, apologism. I mean, like the other thing I was going to say was that this that type of stuff when I was like reading, um, <clears throat> about like those types of tech guys and like just the feeling of like victimization, um, around kind of their you know. Uh, their obsessions with like this type of status-led tech was that it kind of reminds me a lot of like the web free stuff at the moment, right? Like in terms of, <clears throat> you know, we were obviously with like crypto guys and like who don't really care about their environmental impact, but also the way in which like, you know, there've been lots of stories about how, um, you know, uh, people have set up crypto hubs in like very poor areas of like the US or uh, near like, uh, uh, First, uh, what's called like First Nations reserves and stuff like in like you know used up all their energy to basically run kind of crypto schemes or if you look at like all the stuff happening in Miami where like the sudden influx of like you know right wing tech guys who are all kind of on the web free train and the way that that sort of like meant that for poor people living in Florida like life has become a lot harder um, you have like energy blackouts in certain areas and none of these guys really care because for them it's like you know ultimately like they're just obsessed with like this tech and making it kind of and trying to insist to people that this irrelevant society. And I guess like that's the other thing too, like in the same way that you have like people who are, who have like drunk the Kool-Aid on the Google glass and are really trying to convince people that, yeah, you know, this way of living is the future. And, you know, it's not really that different from like web free guys who are basically trying to do the same thing and not really sort of like justifying it in any sort of like, this is how it will benefit society, but more just like, isn't this tech like really cool? And like, isn't it so, uh, you know, yeah. Isn't it just like such a novelty and like, why aren't you fascinated with that aspect of it? And I wonder whether like glasses 
uh, one of those very early examples of the idea that well, just because you can build a device that introduces a lot of novelty doesn't necessarily mean that people will like, you know, just buy it up in the same way that I think a lot of us, well, you know, people have sort of accepted, you know, the, uh, the, the dominance of like social media platforms on the internet. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like a lot of confidence in Silicon Valley at the time and still now, but like in them saying like, we're going to come out with this new awesome thing, we're going to market it as a flashy thing and everyone will buy it because it's because we're Google and, and like people want to be on the cutting edge. Mm. Um, and now that's not the case at all. Um, and it's just, it's kind of funny to, I mean, crypto is one thing because it just, you don't have to like wear anything, but it just siphons bank accounts of like, people they like get into buy into these like schemes that they're just like taking money from their bank account immediately and and that's it but like i just imagine a world where like if you bought into crypto you had to like wear a, a big dr seuss hat on your head and just walk around and be like i'm the one ruining everything uh what, what, what how that would kind of look like um and that's and that's kind of like goes back to the marketing uh, and it doesn't really work for crypto, but like I think a lot of these companies are doing less relying on their sort of tech evangelists to do the marketing yeah. for them, and and more like we're gonna we're gonna like market this ourselves or, or find very sneaky ways to kind of like get people to buy in. Like one thing I kept coming back to is Google Home and like Amazon Echo and like um, Ring. Like now people have all these like have a ton of like invasive privacy things in their homes and google like like that i think i remember there being like a, a a week of kind of pushback being like hey these things could like record everything you're saying in your house and then people are like yeah oh it's fine i want to be able to like say you know i want to say like dim the lights <laughs> without getting up yeah. and um, and now like they're they're kind of in everywhere and you know feeding yeah. videos of front doors to the police and stuff. Well, I wonder if that's it too. I wonder whether like the problem with Google Glass is that it just wasn't kind of like efficient at making the very mundane aspects of your life like easier, right? Because, you know, you're mm. right in the sense of like everyone kind of knows <clears throat> or like most people, if you like talk to them, they'll kind of be like, yeah, like these devices are probably picking up what I'm like, you know, saying every day. We Like so many people like have the same story about, oh, I was talking about, you know, a certain product. And then all of a sudden, like it was just everywhere on Instagram or everywhere on my social media feed. And like, it's very clear that like the metadata is being used to track me, but the stakes, you can't really necessarily like perceive the stakes of it. Or for the most part, like there are many people who just don't care about it. And I guess with glasses, like, well, it's not really making your life easier in any way. As you mentioned, like it malfunctions so much, but like, it's something that you are aware is always present in your life and like causing more work for you. And I wonder whether actually like the failure of glass is less to do with it's kind of privacy implications or even it's kind of like, um, you know, or even it's you know the fact that it doesn't really have a definition of what it's supposed to do and more just like, well, it kind of just causes more problems than it's worth. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm still, I, I'm still I, I, like, I, I am still completely hung up on saying isn't attacking for somebody for uh, attacking somebody for wearing a, a Google Glass isn't that like crystal nut? Like that's absolutely fucking outrageous. Like genuinely, where do people get the neck? How did that get through an editor? How does someone read that and go, yeah, no, this is fine. Let's publish it. What the fuck, man? Like uh, it was the Wall Street Journal? I mean, uh, like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I know shame is a is a 
fast diminishing resource, but fucking hell. Anyway, um, yeah, we are we are running close to time. I was going to launch into a thing about how if um, tech people are going to like show up in these cities and completely destroy them and don't invest anything in their local businesses and or infrastructure, they could at least come up with some. They could at least come up with some kind of addressing an existing problem for the tech that they come up with. They don't have to like invent a problem or invent a need or invent I know I know this is how this is how consumer capitalism works but I hate it. It's fucking annoying. Um you know what? Like cuz obviously like the like it's no longer de rigueur to say like oh well you know that's just capitalism. So now I'm just saying capitalism is annoying. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to go down the yeah capitalism is abusing you. No 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 no. It's just annoying. Um like there's so many technological capabilities for, say, medicine or making the lives of a disabled people a little bit better. You don't have to just like come up with a yeah, but like I don't know what it looks like from the top of the fourth from the top of the Golden Gate Bridge, and I wanna no like like if you want people to treat you like you clearly want to be treated, then like invest money in like bionic limbs and stuff like. Fucking hell. Anyway, anyway, um, because we are running close to time, I kind of want to hear a little bit more about um, how how glass then got repurposed for like a military and policing purpose, because that feels like that feels like the kind of the the race, the, the kind of the race to the bottom, like uh, just like any kind of piece of technology gets invented, uh, like even if the initial use case is, oh, this is just a fun thing, it always ends up in, yeah, but now the cops use it, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Like, Google, it was it was like one of the first concerns people had was like, oh, the cops are just going to buy this and use it for recording us, or just, like, recording, which is, like, body cams is, like, a good thing. But, like, facial recognition and just, like, more surveillance state. Like, this is real dystopia shit. Mm. And Google's like, no, no, no. Like, we're <laughs> not going to do that. Like, please trust us. Like, you, we'll, we'll, we won't allow uh, facial recognition apps in, the, in our, like, app store for Glass. And we won't do any contracts with police in the United States. Uh, and people, I guess we're just kind of like, okay, cool, fine. Like, I guess. Uh, but then it turned out that, like, as Glass was, like, floundering uh in the u.s um they the i think police force in in um india and maybe saudi arabia were were like just buying them up like crazy and and side dooring in facial recognition software and and software that would like could scan license plates and and bring up like all the like tickets and things just right in the officer's uh like field of vision and 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 that story like didn't really uh make its way around the u.s because by that time like glass was mostly like dead Mm. but it was it was real it was a real problem in the in in, like other parts of the world where, where police forces were just buying it up and using it for exactly the reasons google said they they wouldn't allow the them to use and i think I'm pretty sure the NYPD like got a few pairs and they were like, oh no, Google didn't give this to us. But then it's like, well, how did you get a pair? Because it was very like, no, you couldn't resell them or anything. Um, but they decided, I think ultimately they were too expensive or something. But um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's just like another reason why like we should, we should 
gener- generally like trust our worst instincts, <laughs> like just a little bit. Like sometimes I, I always like couch things. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to sound like a, like a Luddite, like anti, oh, no, like, like you said, like tech is good, but like, man, some of this like dystopian shit, like we, we should, we shouldn't uh, like pass them off just stop, like so easily. Cause a lot of times someone somewhere is working on it. If there was such a thing as happen. like an objective technology, then there's obvious there's obviously like no real case for saying like tech across the board is bad it just so happens that everyone who inhabits the development and innovation space is all exactly the same kind of dead-eyed psycho like that's that's the that's the that's the issue Mm. here that's exactly yeah I'm I'm very aware. So just as like a final question before we like wrap up, I did wonder, um, and I'm sure lots of people like listening uh, to your, uh, to to this before they buy your book will wonder, well, what is Glass kind of up to now? Because you sort of said that they are kind of like quietly rolling out. Um, I imagine we probably won't see like <clears throat> a consumer uh, rolled out like Google Glass in the way that we did in 2014. We certainly won't see any like SoundCloud rappers being sent them uh, to do base testing anytime soon. I I assume that I'm not sure. Um, but like, in ter- so it seems like Glass kind of are reducing their kind of like ambitions in some ways. But as you mentioned, like they weren't a unsuccessful company. So what is kind of Glass at the moment? And what do you kind of like, how do you, so what, what do you feel like their objectives are now? I would say it seems very much that their objectives are to just keep working the technology down to like a very slim and manageable piece of equipment that, that doesn't look so heavy and stupid on people's faces. Like if you look at the enterprise, so they call it glass enterprise, which is why they use it in like manufacturing and stuff. Um, if you look at that, it, it kind of just looks like a normal pair of glasses with like a little, like you get the little, little mm-hmm. screen guy up there. <laughs> um, and, and, and apparently that, that, that enterprise version is a lot faster, a lot lighter, um, a lot better than the original glass was. Recently, you could only buy as up until recently, you could only buy it if you were like a company looking to like use this in your warehouses or something. But as of like twenty twenty or twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, they like are allowing use consumers to like purchase the enterprise version. Um, you know, you could purchase them. There's probably not going to be a lot you can do with them because there's no one developing like apps and stuff for them. But there's still like a good group of tight knit augmented reality diehards who are who are like eating the stuff up and probably buying the new version of Glass and going to start wearing them and using them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the meantime, Google is kind of testing out a public version to see like how people would use them in the real world and what they would use them for. Um, so I could see a world where slowly more and more people just kind of like start showing up with these and maybe mm-hmm. you can't really tell immediately what they are, but then um, people are like, it might serve some utility that's better than, than what the phone is. And then, yeah, you know, a lot of I people don't know. Are, I mean, I mean, when you were sort of saying about like the Google Glass and the idea that like, or like people being freaked out, but you could film your, like, you know, you could sort of just like film your dates or whatever. I'm like, ah. Uh, well, based on a lot of stuff that we like, a lot of content that we've spoken about, and like the surveillance implications of all that, um, I I imagine at the very best, uh, this type of new Google Glass will be maybe useful for uh, YouTuber hijinks, but at worst could be used for a lot more kind of like very creepy surveillance. Um, oh yeah. 
And uh, then in turn, it will kind of cause people with glasses to be uh, mistrusted. And uh, I would... Uh, no, well, but that's uh, fine to me. <laughs> like, that, like, personally, personally, I think it's fine and not at all... <laughs> Uh, and not at all some kind of concerning harbinger of uh, of monstrous industrialized genocide of people who are dumb enough to wear a Google Glass and put it on their face. Like, I think it's fine if people look at someone with that on their face and think like, what the fuck, what is this, you fucking Patrick Bateman motherfucker? What is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is if, if it like, you know, if they were like just all the glasses, I'm not wearing, anyway, like, you know, it's obviously a side <laughs> what, you point. mean like but, all like, all like, like even like, like corrective glasses? Like, yeah. oh my God, he's got something. Yeah, but that's like, that's like Bond villain stuff. No one was, no one is going to think that. No one is going to worry. I know, <laughs> If I'm on it, like, if I'm on it, like, I don't, because again, I think like, oh, what was it? Um, there was another glasses company that um, tried to do, like, there's, there's a sun, the sunglasses company uh, that, like, lots of guys have them. And I can't, like, the name is on the tip of my tongue, oh, but Ray I can't Band. remember. Oh, Ray-Ban, Ray yeah, like Ray-Ban. Ray-Ban. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they tried to, uh, they released a type of glasses where they had a camera on and, like, they sent it out to a bunch of YouTubers. This was a few years ago. And like, they sent one out to, like, Casey Neistat. Um, and was like, yeah, can you like make a kind of movie about it? And Casey did like a review of this and he was like, yeah, it's kind of like fine. The camera is like a bit heavy and like the kind of what you call it, the, the quality of it is not great. Um, and so I think like he didn't really find it particularly useful. So in turn, I don't, I don't know if like, I don't think it really like took off in the way, but also like the Ray-Ban glasses with the camera were really expensive. So I guess like the danger is like, well, what happens when eventually you do have a company and maybe Snap is that, maybe like Google will be that, I don't know, maybe Apple will be that, where they do release these types of glasses or at least like a kind of clip on where the camera quality is decent and it's sort Mm. of presented as like a new way of kind of, you know, socializing that could kind of bring with it like some quite scary implication or like definitely some very, very negative and harmful implications or outcomes. Um, and that's something to like, at least in my mind, be kind of worried about. I, th- I don't know. I think you have to, like, if you're going to invent this kind of thing, like, first of all, I think that if you are wearing something which obviously costs a huge amount of money attached to your face, then I really don't see how it's a surprise that that might attract negative attention. And again, that's like, if we like, if we like compare it to like other luxury tech, it's the sort of thing that you can yourself like when on the train or on a dark street or whatever Mm. but I think that honestly I think the crux of it is I think that I think that the kind of the the collective human imagination hasn't changed in kind of millennia and that as long as things look like something that you are familiar with you don't mind it as much so like an apple like an apple watch or like a smartwatch has like all the same like data security concerns and like data sale issues as as a glass does like it's exactly the same because it's all the same it's all the same like five like five like five companies selling data back and forth and packaging up and selling it to the cops um you know uh, episodes of 10,000 10, posts passim um but like oh it's just a watch i know what a watch is we've had watches for ages that's fine like a phone like mm. it's just a, well that, i mean it's like it's 
it's insane that it's a supercomputer that I can keep in my pocket, but it is, it's just a phone. We know about those and it doesn't look that dissimilar to my iPod, which didn't look that dissimilar to my Walkman, which didn't look that dissimilar to like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as long as it's a kind of, as long as it's like all done very incrementally and very recognizably, but something which is so obviously kind of Philip K. Dick adaptation, like as the glass, like it, I think it, I think it, I think it creeps people out. Um, and I think it's also why, because um, I, I wish I could remember the context that this happened in. Um, someone was going on and on and on to me about how Back to the Future was amazing as a franchise because it predicted all of this all of this future technology. So like it predicted the touch screen, it predicted this, it predicted that. And I said, did it predict it? Or did people who invented those things grow up watching Back to the Future and used it as a as a prompt? And for some reason, this like this annoyed the person I was talking to beyond all possible proportion. They were like, no, they predicted it. And I was like, no, it's that the film is available. And they people then grew up and were like I wonder if you can have something like that but <laughs> it's really noticeable that it's only the kind of the stuff that's like recognizable that we like have we have now we still don't have we still don't have the flying car this is the whole point of this episode I've been trying to bring it back to the fact that we don't have flying cars mm. Elon if you're listening I want a flying car <laughs> can you put <laughs> wings on a Tesla <laughs> We just, yeah, well, when he's taking like a break from Polytopia, he can, uh, he, he can, he can figure it out. I'm sure he can. Um, Amanda, we should probably yeah. wrap up. So, uh, Quinn, thank you so much for, uh, uh, joining us. And, uh, if people want to buy your book or just follow your work, how can they do that? Uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, you go, you can go to, uh, instarbooks.com, uh, one word. And then, you can buy Google Glass. There's also a book, um, two other ones in the uh, series. Mm-hmm. There's one called um, by Megan Milks. That's about a ter- Tori Amos bootleg web ring, uh, which is super fun. And then um, Anna Valens wrote a, wrote a book about Tumblr porn. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. fourth one coming out soon. And um, so you can head there to buy the book. And then you can follow me on, on Twitter, um, Q-U-I-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Cool. Uh, we'll have both those links in the show notes, including to where by to where to buy Quinn's book, and you should definitely do that. It's really good and like you know, very, it's like really entertaining read as well. Um, uh, just a reminder: you can uh, subscribe to our bonus content, patreon.com forward slash ten k post podcast, five bucks a month, and you uh, help us run this show. Uh, and yeah, just to just let us have a great time uh, talking about all the great posts online. Uh, Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs? <laughs> you have any? Um, yeah, uh, if you don't already listen to me and Milo's Seinfeld podcast, you can. It's Masters of Our Domain. You can find it at Masters of Pod um, over on Twitter, where we post uh, post the episodes and uh, and pictures of Julia Louis Dreyfus. Cool. This show is produced by Devon. You can follow them at Devon underscore on Earth, and you can also listen to their podcast, which is called Kill James Bond. Um, I think that's it from us. So until next time, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.